Well, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers in the house, all the mother figures, every lady that has an impact on children. Happy Mother's Day to you. And later in the service, we're going to be honoring and, and celebrating the mothers who are present, those of you joining us online as well. And uh, it's really, you know, that's what mothers do, isn't it? You raise them up. Mothers raise children up in a crazy, hectic world. But instead of talking about mothers specifically today, we are going to be talking about parenting. Parenting, you know, in other words, raising children. And we're going to talk to mothers and fathers, all right? You know, twice a year, we kind of stop to celebrate parents, mothers and fathers. We've got Mother's Day and we've got Father's Day. And uh, twice a year, we kind of do that. However, as every parent knows, raising children is a 24-7, 365 days a year job. And it is a job. Because it requires effort and work, right? <laughs> yes, somebody said that parenting, parenting is a lifetime job. And it does not stop when the children grow up. How many parents with grown-up children know that? Parenting doesn't stop when the kids grow up. It just carries on, all right? Parenting, you, once you become a parent, you're a parent for life, buddy. Yeah, think carefully. What it's like to be a parent? It's one of the hardest things you'll ever do. But in exchange, it teaches you the meaning of unconditional love. Amen? Tell you what, you, 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 you run your life, man. Even when you get married, you're kind of still free to do whatever you want, you know. And then the kid comes along. And all of a sudden, you know what unconditional love means. Because now you're loving that little child with everything you've got. That's what children are for. You know why children come? That's what children are for. That their parents may not be bored. <laughs> right. So today, we're going to start this series of messages on parenting, and it's called Raise Them Up, and uh, it will continue on Father's Day. So it's, it's a series, but it's part one today, part two on Father's Day, and maybe one or two Sundays after, after that as well. And today, part one is called A High Calling, because being a parent, a mother or a father, is a high calling. It's the highest calling that you have as an individual. And, and sometimes we don't realize it. You know, so many times there are things in our lives that we kind of take for granted. We think, ah, oh, that's it. Oh, that's the cycle of life, you know. Fall in love, get married, have kids, get up, grow old and blah. No, 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 no. Parenting is an extremely high calling. And it should not be taken lightly. Now, the interesting thing is, the Bible, you know, the, the, our guideline as, as followers of Christ, funny enough, the Bible doesn't have too many instructions, specific instructions for parents. And by the way, if you're sitting here today, you're watching, you're listening, and you're not a parent, maybe you're too young, maybe you're, you're single, uh, don't ignore this message. Take note, okay, uh, for a number of reasons. Number one is that probably one day you will be a parent. So get some advanced warning, I mean some advanced teaching, okay? Number two is uh, you understand a little bit your own parents if you are young, all right? You'll understand your parents a little bit more. 
Because I tell you something, you only realize what parenting is all about when you become a parent. But it helps if you are listening about parenting, it will help you to understand your parents, especially those of you who are in, in your teens, late teens, you know, young adults. Sometimes parents don't make sense to us, right? Why are they doing what they're doing? Why are they saying what they're saying? Hang around. You, you, you understand some things, okay, in these messages that we're going to be doing. So it, this, this series is for everybody, not just for fathers and mothers, all right? So now, as I said, in the Bible, does not have too many specific instructions. And it's interesting because the Bible is our guidebook for, for life and for practice. And yet you don't find the 20 commandments for parents. You don't. And yet, throughout the Bible, you're going to find principles and instructions. It doesn't say, now this is for fathers and this is for mothers. This little verse is for parents. It doesn't say that. But as you read the Bible, you pick up on principles that gives us insights and, and helps us in our parenting. And today, we're going to look at one such passage. Our reading is from Ephesians Chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. Ephesians 6, 1 to 4. And it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on earth. And you, fathers... And when it says fathers, it includes mothers, okay? Because these are principles. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath or to anger, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Okay, so here is one verse where we are given instructions. Two instructions over here, all right? Now, of course, the biblical pattern is that children should be brought up by two parents, a mother and a father. But of course, in many cases, this pattern cannot be followed. We live in a broken world, in a sinful world, in a messed up world, where things that we don't want to happen do happen. And so death may occur, divorce, family breakdown, illness, disasters, and, 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 and many other things can happen that, that break up a family or it doesn't enable a child to be brought up by a mother and a father. They may, it may be brought by a single parent, a mother or a father, or maybe another family member, or maybe foster parents, or maybe adopted parents. And, and so there are that, that, that intention that God had is kind of messed up by a broken world that we live in. But here's the thing. No matter... Who you are as a parent, whether we are bringing up your own flesh and blood child, or are you caring for somebody else's child as a foster parent or adopted parent, these principles apply to everyone who's doing any kind of parenting. Okay? So whether you are an extended family or a direct parent, these principles apply. And so God's intention for child for, for raising children up, for bringing children up, they are in, in the word. And so this word comes to us. You see, because God gives grace in every situation. So whether you are a direct parent or somebody else looking after children, now remember this, God's grace is there for you. 
In, in our passage today, sons and daughters are spoken to as well as fathers and mothers. He's talking to children and parents. If you're a parent, do not forget that before you were a parent, you were a children, okay? You were a son, you were a daughter, you were a child as well. Probably you're an adult, but you still have a father and a mother alive, and you must still honor them. The obeying part changes, okay? That is a thing which, as children grow, we release them, and they become responsible for their own decisions. But honoring them means doing things which bring honor to the family, bring honor to your parent, you know, not, not doing embarrassing things that would shame them, all right? And so that's what God wants us to, to do as children. But we're not going to talk up to children today. We're talking to parents, to parents. And so it is important to notice that these instructions in chapter 6, they come after Paul started something in chapter 5. Okay, He laid some foundations in chapter 5. And from there on, he starts speaking about relationships. And in the rest of chapter 5 and chapter 6, he speaks about the three most sort of prominent relationships that we have in life. Husbands and wives, parents and children, and then masters and slaves. These days are called bosses and employees. The same principle applies. Okay? And so we have to relate. We either have people working for us or we are working for somebody. And these principles apply. You are, you know, courting a girl or a guy, you're going to get married. The principles apply. You are a father, a mother, the principles apply. And so he lays the foundation. And notice in these verses there, in Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, he lays a foundation that, first of all, everybody should be imitators of God. And then he says that everybody should walk in love and everybody should be full of the Spirit. And everybody should submit to another. Check this out. Verse 1 and 2 of Ephesians 5. It says, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. <laughs> no pressure, guys. Just imitate God, okay? And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Many years ago when my, my wife had a, was, was a pre, preschool uh, Sunday school teacher, they had to memorize this verse. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. And one little girl, she came back the following Sunday and she said, I know the verse, I know the verse. And, and they said, okay, say the verse. And she said, the verse is like this. Ephesians 5.1, be like God. <laughs> All right? Oh, I've stopped. You know what? That child, she caught the meaning of the verse. Because if the Bible says, be imitators of God... It's to try and be like him, isn't it? Have you noticed that the little children, when, when, when they are born, they tend to imitate the parents? I never forget when, when we had our second child, Reuben. Tanya was, was three at that time, two and a half, three. And um, it was amazing. She watched mommy taking care of Reuben. She did exactly the same thing with the dolls. She'd go and get all dressed up and get her old doll. And, and, and she would do imitate mommy to a T. And children, they like to do this. They like to watch the parents. And, and if they can, they'll imitate them. They'll try and be like their parents. And the Bible says, hey, you, us, you and me, as children of God, imitate God. Be like God. 
Hey, but pastor, I cannot. God is God and I'm just human. I know. But that's why the Lord gave us his Holy Spirit, isn't it? And that's why he goes further and he says, walk in love. God is love. That's the very first thing we need to imitate from God. God is love. God walks in love because he is love. So you want to be like God, start by this. Walk in love. Agape love. Not selfish love. Agape love. The love that wants the best for the other. Unselfish love. And we are to walk in love as parents and as sons and as daughters towards our parents and to walk in love towards our children. And then, of course, Ephesians 5.18 says, And do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. And I, I, I often you know, ask myself, why on earth is drunkenness and Holy Spirit in the same verse? Why is wine and Holy Spirit in the same verse? And then click, click, of course. Remember Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples? What did the people say? Peter told them, hey guys, whoa, 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 wait, wait. These people are not what? Drunk as you think. You see, when the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples, they were behaving so differently that the people around that place thought they were having a party at 9 o'clock on a Sunday morning. Hey, they thought they were drunk. And Peter said, no, 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 they are not drunk. They are filled with the Spirit. And so here comes Paul. In Ephesians 5, and it says, do not be drunk with wine. In other words, don't let yourself, don't come under, under the influence of alcohol. Don't let alcohol influence you. Don't let alcohol manipulate you. Let the Holy Spirit influence you. Let the Holy Spirit manipulate you. Give yourself to the Holy Spirit. Don't give yourself to alcohol. Nobody gets drunk spontaneously. you got to have one, and then two, and then three, and then four, and, all right? You've got to work, man, to get drunk with wine and the same thing with the holy spirit you've got to position yourself before the lord in in, in worship in reading in, in prayer uh, you've got to talk to god you've got to be in, in god's presence and then the holy spirit follows you and you can do what you couldn't do before the difference is when you're under the influence of alcohol you do stupid things the next morning you've got a headache and you regret what you've done when you're in the holy spirit you do things which glorify God, help other, help other people, and helps you as well. And so he lays this whole thing because following then comes all the verses on relationships. He goes on to say in verse 21 of Ephesians 5, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Jesus said, love one another. Paul said, submit to one another. Because you see, submitting to one another Putting the other's needs first is an act of love. It's an act of agape love. Agape wants the best for the other. I love you, therefore I want the best for you, and I'll do what I can to be a blessing to you. I submit to you. And, and the thing is, sometimes people forget this, this little verse here when you go on to talk about other matters. And so submitting to another is an act of love and should be practiced by all parties in the sections that follow, husbands and wives. Now, of course, many husbands are quick to say, wife, submit to your husband. And they forget the verse before which says submit to one another. All right? And so husbands and wives are to submit to each other. Parents and children are to submit to one another. Bosses and employees are to submit to one another in the Lord. You see? 
We do everything unto God. Now, it's not easy, guys. To do relationships the way this chapter tells us to do chapters 5 and 6 is not easy. And that's why Paul laid the foundation. Imitate God. You know, walk in love and be filled with the Spirit of God. Because if you're not filled with the Spirit of God, it's going to be very difficult for you to live like this. It's going to be very difficult for you to do marriage God's way, for you to do parenting God's way, for you to do business God's way. It's going to be very difficult if you're not filled with the Spirit. So, let's talk about being a parent, about raising children. Even if you're not a parent, take note of what it says here, okay? And you don't have to be a parent of a child to care, protect, and encourage that child. I'm telling you, all of us, whether you're a parent or not, you're going to come across situations in your life. Even as a, as a youngster, you're going to come across situations, maybe in your school, maybe in the street, maybe in, in, in parties, in relationships, in family situations. You're going to come across a child that needs care. You're not the father, you're not the mother. But let us be aware of children and their needs. We know the statistics, guys. We know what goes on out there. How children are being abused. We, as followers of Christ, must be instruments of God to bring care and love to our children. No matter who they are, whether they are your kids or somebody else's kids, whether you are a parent or not. Amen. And so the practical role of being a parent or being in charge of a young person, a child, has many challenges. Your child arrives without an owner's manual, right? You don't get a child, and then a manual pops out in the book, handbook for this child. Doesn't happen. The child arrives, and that's it. Now you've got to start learning. And every child is unique. So whatever you learn with the first child doesn't necessarily apply to your second child, and your third, and your fourth, and so on. And so it is a challenge. As I mentioned earlier, although the Bible has guidelines on raising children, it does not have many specific instructions. Principles are given, but parents are given the freedom to be creative in the way they apply them. In today's passage, Paul calls the attention of parents, parents to do two things. First of all, a negative action to avoid, and number two, a positive action to develop. Both are found in verse 4, where he says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. The negative action to avoid is provocation. Do not provoke your children. Do not provoke your children to wrath or to anger. Now, this commandment to parents, so like I say, in this passage, there are actually two commands to parents, a positive and to do something positive and to avoid something negative. And it, this commandment is so important that it's stated twice in the Bible. It is repeated in Colossians 3.21. God forbids parents to provoke their children. To provoke someone means to intentionally, listen, intentionally stir them up to react. Now, every one of us, we can provoke each other unintentionally. I, I could do something. I could say something. I could do an action which provokes you, which maybe upsets you. Go, oh, that wasn't nice. But I didn't do it intentionally. I didn't walk up to you and say, what can I do to provoke you? Oh, yes, let me say this. Let me do this. See, if I do that, it's a very clear act of intentional provocation. So that's the kind of provocation we're talking about here. Intentional stuff. When parents know that their behavior is causing a problem to the child, but they continue doing it anyway. 
So as parents, we are cautioned not to do that. Paul is telling parents to avoid continually stirring up anger in such a way that leads to discouragement. He is warning against repeated ongoing pattern of treatment that gradually builds up a deep-seated anger and resentment that can boil over in outward hostility. And I'm not going to go into detail in this matter or in these matters in this message, but hopefully just get those of us who are parents to become aware of it and to ponder about it. Think about these things. Take some stock of our lives, no matter how old our children are. And I believe one of the reasons the Bible does not give specific, clear instructions to, to parents is because God wants us to first develop a relationship with him. Remember, he created us for fellowship. He created Adam and Eve for fellowship. His intention was for him, himself, to instruct Adam and Eve through a relationship. But no, they thought that the tree was going to give them wisdom. The tree is going to help them to have relationship. And so they went to the tree and they ignored God. And still today, we are suffering the consequences. But still today, God prefers and wants relationship with us. So he's inviting us into a relationship with him so that we can be led by the Holy Spirit in the specifics of raising our children. We, as many families, we may have the, the same values and the same biblical principles. But the methods we use to apply them in raising our children may differ. Because of different circumstances and realities. But you're doing the same thing. We're applying the same principle. But you do it like this and I do it like that. And it's okay. Because I am hearing from the Lord. What does my child need? I'm learning from him. And that's what he wants us to do. Now, I don't think that generally parents set out to provoke their children and make them angry. But even so... Parents can do things that provoke anger in their children. I'm just going to mention a couple of them very quickly. Uh, number one is neglecting time with children. Okay? Uh, this is such an old one and such a popular one and one that somehow parents seem to continue breaking this one and doing this. As I told you before, children spell love, T-I-M-E. <laughs> okay? I love you, baby. Okay, come play with me. <laughs> Daddy loves you. Okay, let's play. Let's talk. Let's have tea. Whatever. Kids want to spend time. Want to do things with their parents. And sometimes because of our lifestyles and the rushes and rushing of life and pressures, sometimes we tend to ignore. We think that because they can see us, they're connecting with us. No. We need to intentionally spend time with children. Just talk to, talking to them. Not just, you know, taking them and sitting in front of a TV, but, but talking, doing things with them, listening to them, playing with them, interacting with them. And that is doing ordinary life with our kids. So let's be aware of that. Because when you don't do that, it starts building resentment in children. I, I've heard of, of children, for instance, that their parents are very busy working in some kind of social assistance situation. They're either working at a community service or at some counseling center or doing something for the church. And, and, and mom and daddy comes home and have a quick meal and off they go to, to church, to the counseling center, to, to the social assist, and they're gone. And then children begin to build resentment against those institutions because they go, those guys are stealing my parents. 
Why? Because there's no time with the kids. You see, first of all, when you get married, your time is really divided. And God says, if you are married, your attention is divided between God and your wife or husband. It's legal. It's okay. Don't get married and want to work seven evenings in the church a week. Uh Uh-uh. You get married, you give attention to your husband and wife. You get children, your time is divided even more. You You must spend time with your wife and with your kids. And that's priority. Not sports, not sport on TV, not drinking with your buddies, not going out to the boys or having tea with the girls. Your husband, your wife, your children. We need to count the cost. And if you're single, count the cost. Okay? When you get married, privileges go. Because you've got now responsibilities. Oh, it's getting quiet in this church. Okay. Another way that we can, you know, really provoke our children is by scolding your children harshly. You know, some parents, they just lose it. They lose the temper. They get up saying, rah, 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 and they embarrass, they shout at the kids. The kid doesn't even know what, what happened often. Be careful of that. Too many parents scold their children in anger and do it harshly. Sometimes with unnecessary violence, shouting, or spanking. And this embarrasses the child and does not give the parent a way to correct the child's behavior. Because like a, 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 a punishment or a correction must be linked to something specific. Not just, I'm upset with you, so get out of here. No. And so we must be, be aware of that. Scolding is not the same as correcting. Correcting links the punishment to a negative or bad behavior such as breaking a house rule or a biblical command. And that, if you do that consistently, provokes anger in a child. What about constantly finding fault with your children? Sometimes parents think that by finding fault, it encourages them to do better. Child brings a report back home. 95% parent says, what happened to the other 5%? Why only 95? Huh? Come on, guys. The guy worked hard to get that 95 or 85 or 75. Encourage them. Don't expect them and, 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 and provoke them and always find fault in everything. Now, that's nice. But that drawing is beautiful. But what is this? Come on. Stop finding fault. Appreciate what there is. And then find ways to encourage to go beyond that. But start with complimenting. Remember the second command. You must build them up. Okay. And I'm sure you've seen, you know, this in parents. Nothing a child does is good enough. And so we, we need to be aware of this. It seems a child can never be good enough academically or in the sports field or some other field. There is no approval, joy, or encouragement in the child's achievements. If the parent likes what the child is doing, they're interested. If the parent doesn't like it, not interested. There is finding fault all the time. And of course, there is a flip side of this one. And which is going to the opposite. No matter what the child does, oh, that is great. That is wonderful. That is so good. Keep on doing it. The child can't sing. Oh, you sing beautifully. The child can't play the piano. Oh, you play the piano beautifully. That is not encouraging your child. In other words, you need to be real. You need to be honest. You need to be frank. If you're going to find fault with your child, do it in such a way that you can direct his attention to what he can do better. Don't just say, this is bad, and leave it there. Take it from there, find, okay, why is this bad? Do you have a talent, a gift for this? Maybe a talent or gift lies over there. Let's try this, develop that rather. 
and make sure that your fault finding, if you're going to find fault, is actually a way of finding a better way and instructing and encouraging. Last one. There are many more, but there's one more. Comparing your children to others. Oh, man. You know, when parents are always speaking praises of a sibling or, or a friend in school and saying, you should be like them. You see that? That's how you must be. You see your brother? You must be like, like your sister. That friend of you, oh, Tommy, you must be just like him, okay? And the, parent, the child hears the following. I'm not accepted. Unless I'm like that guy or like that girl, I am not accepted. Be careful of comparing your children to others because that eventually will provoke anger. There are many other ways in which parents can provoke their children, on purpose or not. And that's the thing. Sometimes we do things without even realizing it. Maybe it's a trend. Maybe we're talking to other parents. They're doing it and we do it as well. Let's become aware of this. Let the Holy Spirit make you aware. Watch your child. Be present. Watch their reactions. Now, of course, kids will get angry. <laughs> they, are, they are wired that way. They don't like rules. You tell them not to do something, they're going to get angry. You put some boundaries in them, they're going to get angry. But it's a parent's prerogative to put boundaries and rules, and that's okay. So watch, be present, observe. But when you realize that you are actually doing something which is constantly provoking anger, you need to be careful about that. Amen? But then there's a positive thing you have to do. You have to build them up. We have to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We have to allow God to transform them from the inside. To raise up a child in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. You see, that is a high calling. Because God has put us, come on, God has put us as, as the image of God to our children. How did God create us? He created us in His image and likeness. And when that little boy and little girl is born... Who are the first people they see? Us as parents, mommy and daddy. We are like God to these kids. I mean, we feed them, we dress them, we clean them, we clothe them, you know. We, take, we meet all their needs. They look up, oh, this must be God. <laughs> and in a way, listen, in a way, we are the first image of God that they're going to get. Of course, as they grow up, they're going to realize you're humans, just like them. But by our, our conduct, our example, our, what we are doing, we should be representing the love of God to our kids, the acceptance of God to our kids. That's why I say, you know, parenting is a high calling, a very, very high calling. And so it is one that, Parents should take seriously and handle with care. Someone said, your children are the greatest gift God will give to you. And their souls, the heaviest responsibility he will place in your hands. Take time with them. Teach them to have faith in God. Be a person in whom they can have faith. When you are old, nothing else you've done will have mattered as much. Mm, something to think about. Eh? So we live in a negative world. And so as parents, we need to be a source of genuine encouragement to our children. If we don't believe in them and what they can do, who will? Because out there, people will be competing with them. We as parents are the ones that must believe in them. If they can't trust us, who will they trust? They'll be suspicious of the rest of the world. Because if the loving parents can't be trusted 
How on earth can you trust anybody else out there? And so we have a high, high calling. And it is so disturbing to me as a pastor when I see uh, parents who are so eager to, to have their children christened and dedicated, prayed for in church. But after dedication, they put no effort into bringing their kids to church or even themselves coming to, to church, which is part of their commitment as, as parents. They make no effort to live a holy life at home in front of their children. They use language which is inappropriate. Their habits are not God-honoring, and their priorities do not include God or His will. And, and I'm not talking about just what I've seen in my ministry. I'm looking as, as I've watched all around, in other denominations, in other churches, and not South Africa only. It is an international problem. Every parent wants their kids blessed, uh, no matter what, what tradition they belong to. Uh, and it becomes just a little occasion that they go to. And not a commitment of life when God says, bring up your children. Teach them. And so guys, you have to understand our calling is a high calling. And it comes with consequences. It comes with commitments. It comes with time constraints. It comes with effort. It comes with work. Not just in feeding and clothing them, but in nurturing them in the ways of the Lord. Huh? And if we do not have the fear of the Lord in us as parents, how can we raise them up in the fear of the Lord? So parents, let us ponder on the scripture today. Talk to one another as husbands and wife and, 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 on, on, and, and about these things. How are you implementing these two instructions and not provoking your children? And how are you building them up? You know, how are you building them up in the fear of the Lord? Now let me talk to mothers specifically. It's Mother's Day, we're going to close this now. So mothers... Fact is, God loves you. Amen, ladies? God loves you. I know sometimes parents go through these seasons where they, especially after a few years of parenting, they look back and say, oh, man, I've made so many mistakes. And it's easy for us to come under condemnation, you know, even of the devil. You're a bad, bad parent. You're a bad father, a bad mother. Beware of that. Don't, don't go there. Rather go to the Lord and say, God, how can I be a better father? How can I be a better mother? You know, even if you know you've made mistakes, say, God, forgive my mistakes, but Lord, help me. How can I correct this? Because it is always a future, folks. It is always a future. So come to God. Mothers, come to God for courage, for wisdom, for physical, emotional, and spiritual strength. Women are by nature, they are nurturers. Life is formed inside of you, ladies. You carry and nurture that life for nine months before anyone else can see that life. You're already tied into that life. And that life is tied into you. And then once a child is born, <laughs> it continues only for the rest of your lives as mothers. You, you make it possible for the following parable to exist. I'm going to read something to you. It's called a conversation in the womb. And because of you mothers, this, this possible this parable exists. It is one of the best explanations of life after this life. Have you ever stopped to consider what babies in the womb think about life? I mean, we talk about life outside the womb, and we've got no idea what happens when this life is over. We, we call it death, and we think it's the end, but it's not the end, is it? But what about when you're in the womb? You think, that's it. When I come out of the womb, life is over, right? Well, listen to this conversation. It happened in a mother's womb. 
It's a parable, of course, okay? In a mother's womb, there were two babies. One asked the other, do you believe in life after delivery? The other replied, why, of course, there has to be something after delivery. Maybe we are here to prepare ourselves for what will be later. Nonsense, said the first. There is no life after delivery. What kind of life would it be? The second said, I don't know. But there will be more light than here. Maybe we will walk with our legs and eat from our mouths. Maybe we'll have other senses that we can't understand now. The first one replied, that is absurd. Walking is impossible. And eating with our mouths, ridiculous. The umbilical cord supplies nutrition and everything we need. But the umbilical cord is so short, life after delivery is to be logically excluded. The second insisted, Second baby insisted, well, I think there is something. And maybe it's different than it is here. Maybe we won't need this physical cord anymore. The first replied, nonsense. And moreover, if there is life, then why has no one ever come back from there? Delivery is the end of life. And in the after delivery, there is nothing but darkness and silence and oblivion. It takes us nowhere. Well, I don't know, said the second, but certainly we will meet mother and she'll take care of us. Take care of us. The first replied, mother? You actually believe in mother? <laughs> That's laughable. If mother exists, where is she now? Can you see her? The second said, she's all around us. We are surrounded by her. We are of her. It is her. It is in her that we live. Without her, this world would not and could not exist. Said the first, well, I don't see her. So it is only logical that she doesn't exist. To which the second replied, sometimes, listen, sometimes, when you're in silence and you focus, and you really listen, you can perceive her presence, and you can hear her loving voice calling down from above. Huh? Yeah. Mothers make it possible. And mothers, you make it possible for, that, for us to believe in life after this life. And when you listen carefully, you can hear the Father's voice speaking to us because in Him we live and He move and we have our being. And so mothers, we want to honor you today. We want to acknowledge you, honor you, and pray for you. Someone said a mother understands what a child does not say. That's a Jewish proverb. And I've seen this happening in my own home. A mother understands what a child does not say. <laughs> this is a good one. If evolution really works... How come mothers only have two hands? You, you, you catch this one? Because mothers are so busy. Often they need four, five, six hands. And say so if evolution really existed, mothers would have developed a few more hands, okay? Anyway, I, I want us to pray for mother. I'd like to invite Dio to come and join me in French. I want to pray for her and use her as a kind of a proxy for all the mothers in the house. Can I ask all the, all the mothers to stand, please? All the mothers in the house, grandmothers, uh, 
All the mothers in the house, please. You are a mother, or grandmother, foster mother. You are taking care of a child. I want you to stand. I'm going to lay hands on you, and it's going to be on behalf of all the mothers, amen, in the house. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for every mother. Those standing here, those mothers who are watching us online, those listening to this broadcast, to the service. Father, we lift every mother before your throne of grace. We thank you for our mothers. Thank you for what, they've, what they mean to us or they've done for us. And Lord, we pray today your blessing upon them, your strength, your anointing. We pray your peace upon them and your joy. Lord, we pray that you continue to give them wisdom from above, Lord, to continue their function. Help us, Lord God, to understand and honor our mothers appropriately, Father. And we thank you for them, Lord, today. We give you glory and honor. Mothers, be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's give a nice clap offering to our mothers as we acknowledge them. Okay. We're going to close the service. Thank you for being with us online. And uh, folks, have a wonderful day. If you're celebrating with family, have a wonderful time together. The Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May his goodness be upon you. Enjoy this day and see you next Sunday in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for being with us.